Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 7 o'clock hour underway tonight on 106.7 The Fan. Danny Noakes here with you for overtime. Caitlin in studio producing the show. We are on the FM AM dial. We're on the Odyssey app and the stream at thefandc.com. Appreciate you being with us. We're hanging out till 8.45, leading right into a little Georgetown Hoyas basketball coverage. They've got a 9 o'clock tip tonight. And we've been talking some commanders to kick off the first 30 minutes of the show. That conversation will continue here in this segment, but we'll do a little Capitals as well because we'll welcome in our first guest of the night. Let's give a warm welcome to Ethan Cadeau of NBC Sports Washington. Normally on the commander's beat, but for the last few days has been doing a little bit of Washington Capitals coverage as well. You can find him on Twitter at Ethan underscore Cadeau. Ethan, what's going on tonight, man? Thanks for joining us. What's, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. It seems like as soon as I switched over to doing capital stuff, they all of a sudden can't stop anybody or score any goals. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the bad luck charm, Ethan. That's exactly what Coach Laviolette and the Caps coaching staff is <laughs> just trying to figure out, man. You're the cause. No, obviously that's that's not actually the case because the Caps have have really been struggling offensively, and in the absence of Alex Ovechkin has been a large part of that. Ov back at practice this morning. We'll get to that here in just a second, but I'm curious as to your thoughts about the Stadium Series matchup from the Caps and the Carolina Hurricanes from a few days ago. I know the result of the game itself was quite brutal and not really a whole lot of fun to watch, but the atmosphere looked great, looked really cool. Great product on TV. 100%, yeah. The game itself was probably one of the worst Capitals games this season. Mm. The second period was horrible. I'm, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for uh, the film <laughs> breakdown the next, the next day with uh, head coach Peter Laviolette and the guys, mm. but that, like you said, the atmosphere was... Nothing short of spectacular, honestly. Sold-out crowd at Carter-Finley. The lighting was great. The ice was in really good condition, despite having to deal with rain earlier in the week. Mm. And on Thursday, Friday's practice was even delayed a little bit just because there was rain as well. So I thought everyone that went into making the rink, the stadium, and everything that went behind that, 
did a great job. My one caveat, as I'm sure a lot of people saw on social media, I don't think the city of Raleigh was prepared for as many cars as there were and as many people. Traffic ah. to get to the stadium was so bad. It took like 90 minutes to go six miles, if not longer. So I think it was a great venue, great spectacle. But if they were to do it again, they would need to come up with a better plan to get people in and out of that area. Yeah, that's definitely one of the most frustrating happenings in life, if you will, just having to sit in hours worth of traffic moving very little. That's definitely one of the things I would wish least on anybody else because it's such a miserable experience. And yeah, Ethan, I thought your assessment of the game was, was spot on right there. And what I, the phrase I've been using here is as to how the caps looked in that game and a little bit better last night against Detroit, but still, I thought they looked slow and I thought they looked old. Now the, the loss to the Detroit Red Wings was the fifth straight game. And, and it's no secret without Ovechkin, the offense has not been there, but to at least give them some credit last night. I thought that there were more opportunities, particularly toward the end of the game. They just weren't getting some of the bounces. They weren't getting some of those opportunities to go into the net. I mean, Wilson should have had a goal there towards the end of the game, and and there should have been another one as well, probably. Yeah, I don't know what took so long last night for them to apply the pressure. I mean, they only had 12 shots through the first two periods. They finished with 27, so... The pressure in the third period was great. They just couldn't really get any bounces. And credit to the Red Wings goaltender. He did a really good job. But some the guys in the locker room were candidly a little bit grumpy. They were nicked out his first game back. Larry said, like, we're shooting left and right, putting the puck on net, and we're just thinking there's so many pucks in the crease. Can we just get a bounce, go our way? And mm-hmm. it seems like at least the last week and a half during this five-game skid, they haven't been playing well, but the bounces haven't been going their way either. So – those things usually have a find a way of evening itself out. Hopefully moving forward, the Capitals will get some bounces to start go their way because let's face it. I mean, they're running out of time on new year's day. They were in third place in the Metro right now. They're two spots back at that final wild card spot. It's been a rough couple of weeks, but hopefully the return of OV and just the pressure that's coming. I mean, this team's won a lot of hockey games, won a lot of important hockey games recently, not this year, but like in years past, you get what I'm saying. Sure. So hopefully this a veteran group will be able to turn things around. Yeah, and that's what Alan May was saying last night on the broadcast. He was talking about how if anybody is going to step up for the Capitals right now, it needs to be the veterans. It needs to be Kuznetsov. It needs to be TJ Oshie. It needs to be Wilson. It needs to be Backstrom. It needs to be the guys that formed the core of the team that won the Stanley Cup in 2018. And as you said, Ethan, the good news for the Caps is Ovi was back at practice this morning. I know there's no official word on whether he'll be playing in the game tomorrow night against the Ducks. I'd imagine probably not. Saturday probably seems like a more realistic option there. Is there anything else that you've heard on Ovi's status? That sounds right to me. I wouldn't be surprised if he played tomorrow. It seems yeah. like when you go through such a life-changing situation like he's mm-hmm. been through, and look, take all, Ovi needs to take all the time he needs and stuff, but he rushed home to get to practice today. I mean, he wanted to be back on the ice. I feel like it's in his DNA to go out there and play tomorrow. If he doesn't want to play, if he's not ready to play, that's totally okay and totally fine. But I I wouldn't be surprised if he's suiting up tomorrow. I mean, we've seen him. He really – there's a reason it's called Russian machine never breaks, right? He doesn't really (laughs) miss that many games. And – I think it's I think he's if he wants to play he'll be out there no no question about it in my mind. Yeah. 
Yep, I, I totally agree with you. It's a great point, and the Caps could sure use him. We're talking with Ethan Cadeau, NBC Sports Washington. He's on the Caps beat as well as the Commanders beat. You can find him on Twitter at Ethan underscore Cadeau. Now, Ethan, I want to switch it up on you and talk some Commanders because the news over the last five days or so has actually been relatively positive for this team, at least from an offensive coordinator standpoint, yep. because the search is finally over and the patience paid off. The Commanders end up with Eric Bieniemy, which I'm sure to a lot of us was quite a surprise. Not only that Bieniemy was willing to come to D.C., but that he was available and that it all kind of shook out like this. But I'm curious, just your initial thoughts, what does bringing in Eric Bieniemy to be the Commanders' new offensive coordinator and assistant head coach mean for this team and the offense going forward? Yeah, for starters, I will completely agree with you. When Scott Turner was fired two days after the season ended, never did I think Eric Bieniemy was even an option <laughs> to come here and take this vacant offensive coordinator job. And candidly, before him and Anthony Lynn, the other candidate they interviewed towards the end, the guys they were interviewing at the beginning of this process weren't all that – fans probably weren't that thrown about. about. I mean, Ken Zampezi, the quarterback's coach, mm. Pat Shermer – the Giants coach from a few years ago who lasted all but two seasons. I mean, yeah. the, the prospects of replacing Turner early on weren't looking too bright. So to land Biennemi, who Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes literally could not think of not following the Super Bowl for the contributions he made is a home run hire for the team. I'm very curious to see how he runs the show. He, apparently he's a pretty disciplined guy. Um, he's obviously going to be running the entire offense with Ron Rivera being a defensive head coach. Um, he gets to hire his own staff or from what I've heard, he's going to be bringing in some of his own guys too. So I would, I'm excited. I think the offense is going to look a lot different. I think there's going to be a big short passing game, getting the ball into Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuels hands. And then an emphasis on running the ball late in the game to wear down some opponents. So I think all commanders fans should be thrilled with this hire and it is kind of a little bit of a, a win win lose sort of because if he does succeed, he's probably probably gone after this year. If he proves to be a really good offensive coordinator again in Washington, out of Andy Reid's shadow, out of Patrick Mahomes' shadow, it's it'll be impossible. The fact that he won't be a head coach next year. So yeah. I mean, hopefully he does a great job and the Commanders have a lot of success in 2023. But I don't think people should be looking too far down. Just be happy. Washington fans should be happy that Eric Bieniemy is simply in the building. He's the best offensive coordinator they've had in years, and it should be a lot of fun because they've got some weapons on offense, and if Sam Howell can turn out to be the guy, I think it should be a really fun unit to watch in 2023. I think so, too, and I really don't know how much it, it could, how much better it could have been for the commanders in terms of getting an offensive coordinator this offseason. And to, to go off your last point, Ethan, about getting to work with Sam Howe and some of the weapons on this offense, I, I think that's probably one of the reasons that fans are most excited, and deservedly so, because Biennemi is a guy that at one point he was on the Vikings offensive staff. He got to coach Adrian Peterson in some of his record-breaking years. And now, of course, most recently, coaching Patrick Mahomes, who a lot of people have already deemed a Hall of Famer, which his resume is probably good enough yeah. to get him there if he were to retire tomorrow, even though he's still got probably most of his career still to play. But all of that to, to say that Biennemi's going to have a lot of toys to play with in this offense, so if, if it doesn't go well, they're going to, you know, we had a caller say he'll be able to say, yeah, Sam Howe wasn't really my guy, though, still, if, there, if, if, it, if it 
somehow goes south, then you know they're they're going to be looking at him, wondering what happened because there's so much talent on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, when you do get to run the full show the way he's getting in Washington, I mean, the, he's going to get credit for the success, which is something he probably didn't get a lot of in Kansas City. In fact, he True. simply didn't because if he did get credit for the success that Offman's had, he would have been a head coach by now. But if he does that in Washington, he'll be getting all the success. Ron Rivera is giving him the keys to the offense, letting him do everything he wants. So a lot of the weight falls on his shoulders, but this is what he wanted. This is a similar responsibility to what he would have had if he were a head coach elsewhere too. So I think a lot of people are saying, oh, it's a lateral move. It's not really a lateral move. It's not the move he wanted to make, but it certainly is a promotion. I mean, he is running the offense. He's an assistant head coach. He's getting a salary raise. I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons why he took this job, and I think he's really excited to come and prove to the rest of the league just how good of an offensive mind he is. Very well said. And, Ethan, last thing for you before I let you go, just real quick, Deron Payne, do you think he ends up getting the franchise tag from the Commanders, maybe the transition tag, or, or do you think that they're going to let him hit free agency? I don't think they're going to let him hit free agency. I think the franchise tag is the most likely situation they they tag him. They have till mid July to try and work out a long term deal. Obviously, that's not what Payne wants. It's mm. probably not what the team wants. I'm sure they would have loved to sign him long term. But it, from every Ron Rivera comment this off season, it does sound like the team is very much interested in keeping him. Rightfully so, obviously. But I would be very surprised if they don't place the franchise tag on him and let him hit free agency. Unfortunately, here the last two players the Commanders have tagged. Uh, Kirk Cousins and Brandon Sheriff, they were tagged two years in a row, and then they eventually walked. So mm-hmm. maybe this is the beginning of the end of Deron Payne in Washington, but I do think he'll at least be here in 2023, whether that's under the franchise tag or by some chance they do work out a long-term deal. Yeah, there you go. That's definitely something for Commanders fans to keep their eyes on here over the next several weeks. Ethan, I'll let you go, man. Thanks so much for carving out a little bit of time for us on a Wednesday night. Hope the rest of the week goes smooth for you, man. Hope doing the double duty between the Caps and the Commanders over the next couple of weeks keeps going smooth for you. Appreciate you, dude. We'll catch up again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got it. That's Ethan Cadeau, NBC Sports Washington. He's covering the Caps and the Washington Commanders. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Ethan underscore Cadeau. All right, we'll step aside. We'll come back and we'll continue our discussion on the Washington Capitals. Somewhat of a switch up as we've been talking a lot of commanders here for the first few segments, but Ethan gave us some great thoughts on the Caps. So I want to talk about DC's hockey team, their struggles and why things could turn around here over the next couple of games. It's coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. Big thank you to Ethan Cadeau, NBC Sports Washington's Capitals and Commanders coverage these days. I believe Ethan's filling in for our guy Matt Wyrick, who is away at the moment. Matt frequent guest of this show. We like to talk caps. That's what we're going to be doing here in this segment. If you want to join the conversation, feel free, 800-636-1067. It's the MGM at National Harbor listener line. Talked a lot of commanders so far. We'll even get a little defenders and wizards in, as well as some nationals later on in the show. Some headlines coming out of each of those teams. But we stay with the Caps right now because the Capitals have been an interesting conundrum this season at this point in time, they are 28, 25, and 6 overall, 14, 12, and 3 
inside Capital One Arena. But this year, the Capitals right now, they're a few points back of an actual playoff spot at the moment. A point back of Pittsburgh in the Metro Division standings. But you heard Peter Laviolette say, I believe, before the All-Star break, about how sharp this team was going to need to be to make the playoffs. And I believe that to still certainly be the case. Now, the team that embarrassed them during the stadium series, the Carolina Hurricanes, is one of the best teams in the NHL this season and the current leaders of the Metropolitan Division. So the loss that night was not surprising in the least. What was concerning to me was how the Capitals looked in loss. And I get that there's a lot of frustration around the team right now with the lack of puck luck, which is a real thing. And during the Caps Stanley Cup championship run, which was in 2018, they did get a fair bit of puck luck. And what is puck luck? For those of you that don't watch hockey, well, it's essentially just getting bounces, right? Having things go your way that really aren't in anyone's control. And in the game last night for the Caps against the Detroit Red Wings, I remember it was Tom Wilson had a chance right in front of the net. It would have been essentially a tap-in goal, but he tapped it wide left of the net, didn't go in, and Detroit escapes with a victory, a 3-1 victory. And it's another loss for the Caps. It's their fifth in a row. And you hear the guys in the locker room talking about how frustrated they are because they're getting pucks on net. They're getting pucks in the crease, but they can't get any of them to fall. So how does it change? Well, it's going to start changing here pretty soon, you would think, as Alex Ovechkin returns to the lineup. That is something that cannot be overstated. He not being in the lineup as obviously one of the greatest players and certainly offensive players of all time but he's also one of the glue guys of this team right I think that and we talked about this with Ethan in our last segment but talked sort of about how Ovechkin he wouldn't be surprised if Ovi was back in the lineup tomorrow night and that because Ovi's an incredible competitor wants to help his team but I also would imagine that there's probably a little bit of a therapeutic angle for Ovi getting back on the ice and being with his teammates and competing while he still grieves the loss of his father. So they're going to get a boost when Ovechkin come when Ovechkin enters the lineup once again in a game, which he'll have the first opportunity to do so tomorrow night. He was back at practice this morning. Caps are being very cautious with what they say and whether or not He'll be playing uh, tomorrow night. They're certainly not trying to rush him back. But so the other thing that I pointed out in our conversation with Ethan in the last segment was something that Alan May said on the broadcast last night. And I believe it was in pregame coverage. It was before this loss to Detroit had, had even happened. But essentially what he said was, if the Caps are going to pull themselves out of this losing streak right now and, and eventually put themselves back in a spot where they're in playoff uh, a playoff position... It's going to have to be the guys that helped you win that Stanley Cup in 2018. It's got to be Kuznetsov. It's got to be Oshie. It's got to be Tom Wilson. It's got to be Backstrom. Guys that have now made it back to the lineup, right? Wilson and Backstrom, we weren't even having conversations about them being in the lineup back in December when the Caps had their best month of the season by far. They were nowhere to be seen through all of that. So it's not like this Capitals team cannot compete and, and win games, although, and I will maintain that they looked very old and slow 
against Carolina. It improved against Detroit, but those would be my two biggest adjectives to the way that they looked in the game against Carolina. But so you go back to before where this losing streak started, they beat Boston in Boston, coming right out of the All-Star break, 2-1, to one, right? And, and a, another win for Darcy Kemper, low-scoring game. Yeah, you don't love that there wasn't a ton of offense there, but the Bruins are the best team in the NHL this season. So it's not like the Caps aren't able to compete with them, right? And then you, you, you turn around and you lose a game 4-1 to one to a San Jose Sharks team that's not very good. The Sharks are not very good. And they haven't been for years. They've been slowly selling off their assets like Evander Kane and uh, Brent Burns, who's now on the the Carolina Hurricanes, right? They've been selling guys off for for several years. Now, in this losing streak, there are also two losses to the Carolina Hurricanes. And again, it's, you know, hard to say that those shouldn't be losses, not to you know, say that the Caps can't win that game, but Carolina is a better team than the Caps are this season, right? That That's just how it is. They're going to have to play a really good game, are the Caps, to beat a very physical, very fast, fast Carolina Hurricanes team. Well coached, too. Rod Brindamore is a good coach. There's no question about that. But so the teams that they played throughout this losing streak are not bad. Florida, not bad. Detroit, not bad. Now you get an Anaheim team coming in tomorrow night, 17, 34, and 7, right? 8 and 18, and 6 as well, by the way, on the road. Just one of the bottom tier teams. In fact, their last place of the Pacific Division this year. Uh, a couple of points behind San Jose, the Sharks, the team that we were just talking about. So that's the good news, I think, for the Capitals, is, is you've got a game here against Anaheim to get it together, not long before you have another matchup, by the way, in Anaheim on March 1st. But it's Anaheim tomorrow night, and then on Saturday, 1 o'clock puck drop, big game, Caps and the New York Rangers. That'll be on ABC for anybody looking to make some appointment viewing for that. But then the Caps are going to go on a four-game road trip. Buffalo, Anaheim, San Jose, and Los Angeles. The good news is San Jose and Anaheim are two teams that you should beat. Los Angeles, pretty good once again. They're second of the Pacific Division this season. So there are some winnable games is is basically what you should take away from this conversation, this segment that we're doing right now. There are some winnable games. There are some tough games that they're going to have coming up. But you have to win the games that you're supposed to win, especially now that you're starting to get your guys back, right? Ovi has, is... You would think in the next game or two going to be back after after losing his father. Now, if it takes a little bit longer, that's certainly understandable because that's a that's a life altering event. But Wilson and Backstrom have been back now. Okay, let's see those guys start to turn it up. I like the way that Wilson's playing better than Backstrom. By the way, I think Wilson has been a much larger impact on the team than Backstrom has since they've both returned from injuries a little over a month ago at this point. So. Kuznetsov needs to step up. Everybody needs to step up and play better. That's really what it comes down to, right? Let's step aside, though. Let's take a quick break. We've got plenty more to get into. Coming up next, we will talk a little Washington Nationals. First spring training game for the Nats is this weekend. We'll look forward to the 2023 season for the Nats coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. Eight forty-five will be jumping off to make room for Georgetown Hoyas basketball. Georgetown at home tonight. They'll be hosting St. John's. 
9 o'clock tip-off, CBS Sports Network for the television broadcast. Listen right here on 106.7 The Fan, being played over at Capital One Arena. Speaking of college hoops, by the way, uh, you've got the Maryland Terrapins also in action at this moment over at the Xfinity Center in College Park. 7.28 to go in the first half. Maryland with a 28-20 lead over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So the Terps with a eight-point lead in a Big Ten game. And number six UVA playing on the road at Boston College tonight. And it's Boston College with a four-point lead just over four minutes to go. Now just under four minutes to go in the first half. 21-17, the current score of that game. So there's a little bit of college hoops for you. My Hokies, they lost another game last night to a top 15 team in the Miami Hurricanes. I heard some folks talking about the free bacon promotion that the Hokies do with Smithfield inside Castle Coliseum. I find it funny that people are just catching on to that because I feel like they've given away more free bacon this season than they ever have, right? Tech usually plays on ACC Network, ESPN, one of the ESPN family of network channels, what have you. Uh, So I'm glad you guys are all getting hip to the free bacon these days, as it were. By the way, we're about to get into some gnats here, but I wanted to tie a bow on our Capitals conversation because I came across a graphic that was kind of crazy in terms of why the Capitals have been struggling. Tom Gulitti covers the NHL on Twitter at Tom Gulitti NHL, said this. Lars Eller, zero goals in 21 games. Connor Sheary, one goal in 22 games. Anthony Mantha, zero in 15 games. Sonny Milano, one goal in 17 games. And Dylan Strom, one goal in 11 games. Now, I bring this up because we were talking in the last segment about how Alan May on the broadcast last night was saying it's going to have to be guys like Kuzi, Backy, Wilson, Oshie to help get the Caps and of course Ovechkin to help get the Caps out of this hole, this five game losing streak and back into playoff contention. Well, you're going to need more of a contribution from guys like Lars Eller, Connor Sheary, Anthony Mantha, Sonny Milano, and Dylan Strom than what you've been getting and the statistics that I just read for you. But as I said, they have some winnable games upcoming to the Caps. So that is good news. Now, to the Nats, who have their first spring training game this weekend. 105 start on Saturday against the St. Louis Cardinals. And by the way, a doubleheader slated for Sunday for the Nationals against both the Houston Astros and the New York Mets. So that's fun. But obviously, the Nationals are not expected to be a very good baseball team this season. Many have them as the worst team in Major League Baseball, and that very well could be the case once again because it was in 2022. So expectations should be severely tempered for the Nats coming into the 2023 campaign. It's a very young team. Many of its prospects are still working their way through the farm system. There will be some that you see. In the starting lineup on opening day, there will be some that you don't see till later in the season, and there will some there will be some that you don't see at all this season. They're at least a couple of years away from competing. But when the Nats reported to spring training last week, there was one name that was noticeably absent, and that was Steven Strasburg. And we had been wondering where Steven Strasburg was, how his rehab was going with his latest injury, his latest setback. We talked about it on the Locked On Nats podcast with my guy Ryan Clary, one of the producers for the Grant and Danny show, weekdays 2 to 6 right here on 1067 The Fan. Ryan also hosts the Locked On Nats podcast. And 
there was not a whole lot of knowledge or information out there about Steven Strasburg's progress. And lo and behold, when all, everybody was reporting to West Palm Beach for spring training last week, Strasburg was not there. And we found out Strasburg had yet another setback. He threw a couple of different sessions. One, the first, he felt okay after, but then the second, he started to feel that nerve issue start to resurface a little bit. And so now people are having the conversation about whether or not Steven Strasburg is a bust. And I'm actually, I'm not shocked that the conversation is being had in and around DC and around baseball right now, because this is just a hot button topic that you can give a take about and throw it out there and just run the other way. And it's probably not going to make a big difference one way or another, but it's, it is kind of crazy that someone that, that does have Strasburg's resume would, would even be in the conversation for someone that is a bust, right? No one understands the frustration around Strasburg's injuries better than I do, right? I, I, I totally get it. I've been harping on this on this station for years at this point, and the junkies, specifically Bickle there, has been telling you about Strasburg's mechanics, and so have several other people across Major League Baseball, by the way, and how it's going to, at some point, cause him to have long-term issues with when it relates to injuries and here we are but the the notion that Strasburg would be a bust is a joke to me right I don't think you can label anyone that is both a World Series champion and a World Series MVP a bust even if those were the only two things on his resume I don't think that you could call him a bust now was it a mistake to give Strasburg that big contract after winning it all in 2019 of course it's the biggest mistake the franchise has probably made in its near 20 year history and I call it the biggest mistake in the franchise history because of how badly it has hindered the Nats from making other moves to bolster their roster, like keeping Juan Soto, like keeping Trey Turner. And I maintain that there was always going to be a need to trade some of those guys away. I don't think there was ever a scenario where they, would, they were ever going to be able to hang on to Max Scherzer because as Scherzer continues to age, he continues to pitch less, and he still demands top dollar, right? The Nats are not really in a position to be able to pay somebody like that. The New York Mets can do that. They have more money than the Nationals do. Steve Cohen can throw that cash around. That's what he likes to do. But everything that happened before that decision, I I just don't know how you can say it was a bust. I mean, he's been to three All-Star games. Okay, maybe that's not that big a deal. Led the league in strikeouts in 2019, the year he won World Series MVP. Led the National League in strikeouts in 2014. He's got a silver slugger back in 2012. I mean, would you have hoped for more out of someone that has the talent of Steven Strasburg? Sure. But he won a World Series and was the MVP of that World Series and has been a multiple-time All-Star. I don't think he's going to Cooperstown, but he's still one of the best players to ever spin it for the Nats. It's just not up for debate. Of course he's not a bust. Did you, would you have hoped you get more out of him? Of course. I'm not saying that that wouldn't be true. You gave him so much money. And he was the first overall pick and this and that. And he's been hurt for a good portion of his career. That's understandably frustrating. But when he's been at his peak, he's been as advertised. And that's the only point that I'm making there. He's not a bust. But what happens from here now, that is a good question. Because the Nats can't really do anything with him. It's not like he has any trade value whatsoever. I mean, he's hardly even pitched since winning World Series MVP. And that is a major issue because now the Nats are stuck 
And not only with that contract, but with the Patrick Corbin contract as well. Still, hard to say that the Corbin contract's not worth it when he came in and was as good as he was in 2019. They needed his performances out of the bullpen to win that World Series in 2019. So it's hard for me to say that that wasn't worth it. But obviously, he has not played up to the total value of his contract in terms of his overall performance since he became a Nat and the three seasons since winning the World Series, Corbin has not up for debate, unarguably been one of the worst pitchers in baseball, which is which is quite a free fall for, for someone of his talent. But with when it comes to Strasburg, it's it's fun to think about what a rotation that featured a Strasburg in his prime, not in his prime, but at least healthy, a Patrick Corbin healthy, you know, getting back to the form that he was in 2019 and, and at least just not given a ridiculous amount of runs every every week and then adding in Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, and, and the other talented guys of this rotation. That, that's fun to think about, but obviously we just don't know when it comes to Strasburg. So as as someone that both covers the team and that is a fan of the team, I find it best to just sort of put it out of your mind. You just have to kind of operate as though he's not there because even if he does come back and he's tried to come back each of the last three seasons and it just hasn't gone well because his mechanics are poor and they have probably done irreparable damage to the ligaments, the nerves, whatever in his arm that's keeping him from, or his shoulder and neck. He, he's had all sorts of injuries throughout his career and, and then that has kept him off the field. So it stinks, but is he a bust? Of course not. What you do going forward though, there's not really a whole lot that you can do. The good news is the Nats have some young arms in their rotation and in their bullpen that are going to try and fill the void left by Strasburg and Corbin, really, even though Corbin is still there and still participating, just not anywhere near the level that he was a couple of years ago. All right, let's get out of here. Step aside, take another quick break. We'll come back. We will wrap up the 7 o'clock hour with a little hoops, a little all-star weekend recap in the NBA, and we'll talk a little Wizards coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. Final segment, 7 o'clock hour here for overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Danny Noakes here with you on a Wednesday night. Caitlin is in studio producing the show. 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener lines. We'll keep it open from now till the end of the hour. we got a shortened 8 o'clock hour as a reminder, making way for Georgetown Hoyas basketball starting at about 8.45. Tip-off coming your way at 9 from Capital One Arena. So a little less than an hour from now, we'll be jumping off the air. So get those calls in while you can. Before we talk some Wizards, we're going to go to the phones right now where our good friend Captain Todd is calling in from Houston. Captain Todd, thanks so much for hitting us up on a Wednesday, my man. How's everything going? Good, buddy. How's it going, Danny? I'm hanging in there, partner. Uh, you want to talk a little Strasburg with me? Uh, I mean, kind of. It's hard. I get it, dude. It's 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 a tough subject. <laughs> uh, so I, I got to say to anyone that says that he's a boss, that's absolutely ludicrous and asinine. Um, I mean, we don't win a World Series without him. Of course. At all. It's hands down. Like That's that's not even up for debate. Uh, mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. Uh, we also don't win a World Series without Corbin and the three innings that he did in relief. So, 
if you go back to before that season and say, hey, I will trade you years and years of Corbin being bad and Strasburg being injured for a World Series, what, you know, what would you say at that time period when we have never won a World Series before in the history of our team? I wouldn't have let you finish your sentence, Todd. I would have taken it right there. <laughs> I would have said, give me the World and Series. Actually, yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, and I think a lot of people would too. It's kind of like the Rams effect. Like everyone's making fun of the Rams right now, but like they went all in and won a Super Bowl. That, that's yeah. the point of the game. Yeah. That's, that's why you make moves. That's why you sign people. That's why you do these things. And now it doesn't look great because Strasburg, and man, he was one of my favorite players, and it hurts so bad to say this. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we ever see him pitch in the major leagues ever again, man. It feels like that's where we're at at this point, right? I mean, what reason would we have to think that he would go back out there, right? He's he's tried to lace him up three different seasons, and, and it's been a unique issue each time. And people have been telling us about his mechanics for years now. So, yeah, it kind of feels like time has run out for him. I, I agree with you. It does, and it really hurts to see the Nats kind of fall off a cliff like they have. And, you know, I... It, to be honest, today uh, I wore my Nats shirt to work at, at NASA. Um, mm. When we don't have astronauts in the building, we can wear whatever we want. Nice. And with spring training around the corner, uh, I grabbed my Nats shirt and, and you know walked around NASA today wearing my Nats shirt because I was I'm just so happy about the season. I know we're not going to be good. I know we're not going to have Strasburg and Scherzer and you know Corbin when he was still dealing well and, and Zimmerman and. Rendon and like that, that whole cast that we all came to love so much in 2019. Right. Um, but I'm still, I'm still a fan and, you know, Strasburg sacrificed his body to give us a world series. Yes. And I, I'm Corbin to a point, uh, maybe not as extreme as Strasburg, but he, he kind of did too. And those guys deserve all the credit in the world for bringing DC a world series. And they're not going to be the same ever again, but you know, they put their bodies on the line and they gave us the best year we've ever seen in, in DC baseball, at least in my life. Yeah, and, and that shouldn't be overlooked. And it seems like that it is, unfortunately, Todd. It seems like everyone has a really short memory and just kind of forgets about that 2019 season. I would also say that's probably due to the fact that the pandemic reared its head there in the early part of 2020 before we really had the chance to, you know, do the ring ceremony, opening day gets postponed and all that. So it's almost like the Nats World Series kind of got wiped from existence because of everything that was going on in the world shortly after they won it. Yeah, that hurt too, man. We didn't really get the proper, uh, you know, celebration that, that all the other teams have ever gotten. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we didn't have the parade, which I guess was cool. Um, yeah, that was amazing. That was great. You know, um, I actually, you know, my, my favorite, I, I, I can't remember if this was the Caps celebration or the Nats celebration. I'm almost positive it was the Nats celebration. And I'll never forget this image. It's in my head. The Nats are wasted on Zambonis <laughs> at Capital One Arena. Yeah. And all the young kids are shirts off, like Brian Dozier and all them, shirts off, hammered. And Ryan Zimmerman has a shirt on on the other Zamboni with his hands up going, what the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> and everyone's just moment. celebrating. The Caps are, are celebrating. Everyone in the stadium is celebrating. It was just one of the coolest moments in, in D.C. sports history. And for some reason, just that one image of them on the Zambonis drunk with their shirts off just sticks in my head. Um, that and then Ovi and the guys also drunk in the fountains in Georgetown <laughs> celebrating was my other, my other image. 
It was a magical time, Todd, and, and it's amazing that it, it both was such a short time ago and yet feels so long ago. And, and for someone like you, buddy, who's who's over there behind enemy lines in Houston, wearing the, repping the Nats and repping the squads, I, you, you deserve a lot of credit, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, there were a lot of Astro shirts today. I bet. Uh, <laughs> I can only um, imagine. They just won, so... They actually didn't even remember or think about the Nats being a thing at all. <laughs> um, very strangely, you know, they, yeah. it wasn't like a rivalry. It wasn't like a thing. They were just like, oh, hey, oh, the Nats, oh you guys have a team? Oh, good for you, you know, kind of thing. Because uh, they just won, you know, a month ago or two months ago or whatever it was. Well, Todd, um, as, I, as I let you go, buddy, if they try to talk any smack to you, just remind them about what happened in 2019. They can try to forget all they want, but it still happened. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I agree. Um, I'll, the other memory I have is it's two zip Astros, and Strasburg finally figures out that the pitchers are getting tipped, and he goes, you know mm. what? Not today. I figured this out. I'm, I'm going to tighten up. And then after that, it was just all gnats all yeah. day. And just incredible, man. Incredible to take them down with everything that went on with the Astros team and everything. For us as the little guy, the small market, the, the little engine that could, whatever you know they wanted to call us, to take down the, the big giant behemoth uh, just added to, to everything. And it was just such an amazing time. And I agree, we, we have a short memory, and that does seem like it was 15 years ago or whatever, but <laughs> I'll never forget it. And as long as I'm in Houston, I'll be wearing my Nats gear. I love it. I love it. Thanks for calling in, Todd. We appreciate you, buddy. We'll catch up again soon, all right? Thanks, buddy. Have a good night, man. You too. That's our guy, Captain Todd, calling in from Houston. Great stuff. We'll save the Wizards segment for for coming up next because I I had an open segment there in the 8 o'clock hour anyway. I like that we're getting a little sentimental here because I'm like Todd, man. Strasburg was my favorite guy to watch, you know, and I said that I think at the peak of his game, Strasburg – at his ceiling, was every bit as good as Scherzer was. Now, the difference between those two is that Scherzer had a much higher floor, and because of that, he's a much more consistent pitcher, and therefore is a much better pitcher, and that's why his resume is much longer and and much more successful. But when Strasburg was dealing, when he was at the top of his game, he was close to unhittable. And it was really fun to watch him go out there and work because he was just an intimidating figure out there on the mound. Big dude, had some great stuff, great breaking pitches, though, that were tough to hit. And it's just a shame that since 2019, nothing has been even remotely close to that. I mean, it would have been something to just be in the hunt for a playoff spot. And the Nats haven't even been in that conversation for the last three years. So it's it's tough to swallow. I get it. It's it's crazy how fast it happened. But I, I think with the guys that Rizzo has brought in, you've got as, as good a farm system as the Nats have had since they were bringing Strasburg and Harper and Soto and, and Rendon, all those guys through their farm system, right? Those were most of the guys I just named were, were guys that they drafted. So it's going to take some time and and it took some time it was 2012 when the nats won their first division championship so it was 7 years between their first season and their first division championship will it take 7 years between the nats winning the world series and the nats going back to the playoffs hopefully not it certainly could take that long but i think this season 
could tell us a lot about the development of this team because guys like Mackenzie Gore are going to be counted on heavily now that they're supposedly coming into this season healthy. And it's just going to be after something that we keep an eye on. All right, let's do this. We'll step aside. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we will kick off the 8 o'clock hour. We've got Wizards. We've got Defenders. And we can get into some more Commanders if we have the time. Stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 